Welcome to Calvary. I'm Noah. I'm the student pastor here at Calvary. And it's just so good to be together. Man, it's so good to be able to look across and see each other, even though things are a little different. I'm just so thankful that we can continue to do this. You know, we're, we're a people of, of storytellers. Who here likes telling stories? I think all of us like telling stories. Some of them are, are, are real. Some of them maybe have a little falsified information in them. You know, there's some things that make really amazing stories. I mean, the tension, the climax, those moments where it's like, what's going to happen? Is this going to happen or is this going to happen? There's some elements of every really, really awesome story that, that kind of go through all of them. One of those is, is main character. The main character of the story, it's kind of this quest to see what is this person going to do? What is this person going to develop into? I have a Bible story that illustrates this a little bit. So the nation of Israel, they, they look around to the different nations around them and they start getting a little jealous. Anybody else started looking around a little bit? And, oh, maybe not you, but somebody you know has looked around and seen and gotten kind of jealous. Well, Israel, they looked around at the nations around them and they saw that everybody had a king. And so they said, well, if everybody else can have a king, why don't we get a king? Why don't we make that happen in our country? But here's the reality. God was their king. He already was. He was on the throne and he was ruling them and they were being led by him. But the people said, you know what? God, we want a king. And so God said, if you really want it that bad, all right, I'll give you a king. And so the first king of Israel is Saul. They appoint this man, and he's a man's man. He's a hero to all of them. And he does a lot of good things, but he also does a lot of bad things. And at one point, he kind of turns his back on what God has told him to do. And in his story, interwoven is also another story that we know pretty well, the story of David. Anybody know who David is? You know, David, he fights Goliath, this massive man. And he's not a very important person. But God brings him up and empowers him and he defeats this giant. And David begins to do things over and over again that Saul looks like and is like, wow, he may take over from me. Wow, I'm kind of jealous of, of David, of what's going on in his life. And eventually the people of Israel, they said, you know what, Saul's pretty good. But David, he takes out even more people. He's even greater. And Saul got jealous. And we've all been there. We've all gotten jealous of someone else and maybe their different accomplishments. But Saul really missed the picture. The reality was when David killed Goliath, whose power killed Goliath? Was it David? No, it was, it was God, right? Whenever David conquered with his armies and he became the king and all of those things, whose power really made all those things happen? It was God. And so even though Saul was on the throne of Israel, the real king was who? The whole time, God was the real king. You know, in our lives, there's this kind of tug of war sometimes of who's going to take control? Who's going to be the king of our hearts? Is it going to be me? My desires, the things that I want, my dreams for my life, is that's what's going to control my future? Or is God going to control my future? The reality of that story is God is the hero of the story. When David kills Goliath, who's the hero? It's God. Because without God, it doesn't happen. It's not possible. And in our lives as well, when we seek after really our, our own fame, or we try to do things in our own power, 
what we do is sometimes if we're not careful, we kind of put God on the back burner as the hero of our story. And we think, oh, it's me. I'm the king. I'm the one who is over it all. I'm the one getting all this stuff done. But in reality, who is it all the time? It's God's power. And so today we're going to talk about when God is the hero of our lives. What does that look like? When he is in total control of our lives, what does that look like? And we're going to look at that from 1 Peter chapter 5. I've loved this series as we've gone through 1 Peter week after week after week. And man, this is one of the best passages. I'm just going to tell you, I got one of the best passages in 1 Peter. It's so good. So let's all stand together. We're going to read 1 Peter 5 verses 1 through 7. Let's read together. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet is lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Together, let's spend a moment praying and just asking God to work in our lives based on this passage of 1 Peter 5. God, thank you so much for giving us your word. I thank you that it has the power to change our lives. And I pray that that would happen today, that for each of us, we'd move closer to you, that we grow in our affections for you and give you control of our lives. We love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And you may be seated. So we start out and, and Peter begins to talk to the elders of this church. He's talking to the leaders of the church and he's saying, hey, leaders, you need to be an example for your people. Now, anytime I, I think about siblings, I was the oldest sibling and some of y'all in here are oldest siblings and you know, you get a little extra punishment maybe at the front end and you get blamed for all the stuff that maybe some of the younger kids do. But when your parents tell you be an example, why is that? because you want your younger siblings to look like you. So you want everybody to do the same thing. So if I say, be an example, clean your room. What I really mean is I want everybody to clean their room. I want your little brother, your little sister, I want all of them to clean the room. And so you do it to show everybody else what to do. And so Peter says, hey, church leaders, I want you to serve not out of duty. I want you to serve not out of compulsion, but I want you to serve with joy. So that, what happens? Everybody serves with joy. So leaders, as you serve, serve with joy so that everyone will serve with joy. We see first, when God is the hero of our lives, in our purpose, we serve with joy. In our purpose. See, all of us have a purpose in our lives. All of us have a God-given purpose. And it doesn't matter what that purpose is. At, at times, you kind of get to a point where you're serving you're following after God just out of duty. Has anybody been there before? I know I've, I've been there in moments where you're, you're going along and you've been serving for a long time and it's kind of like, man, I'm, I'm tired, I'm weary, maybe something happens and it makes you feel like that. 
Well, the regard, regardless, the important thing about service in our lives is that we don't have to serve God, we get to serve God. We don't have to serve God, we get to serve God. Why is that? Man, God did so much for us. I mean, if we start making a list of all the things that God has done for us, we'd be here till tomorrow. We really would. God saved us from our sin when we didn't deserve it. We did not deserve being saved from our sins, but God sent Jesus. He gave up his only son for us. Wow. I mean, what love. And then after forgiving us of our sins, he goes the extra step. And what does he do? He adopted us into his family. Wow. Isn't that great love? And then what he allows us to do, you know, he's powerful. He can do everything on his own, but he allows us to join in his mission by serving others, serving our family, serving the church. He allows us to be a part of what he's doing on the world. I mean, that's amazing. We don't have to serve. We get to serve. And our purpose is to serve God with joy. And not just in the big things where you're in front of all people, in the little things. It's when you're serving your family and you're washing the dishes. And I know, washing the dishes, man, it's not fun sometimes. It's not exactly what you want to be doing with your time. But it's serving and serving with joy. And you know there's a difference. I mean, with kids, I, I know many times in my life, I have been doing the right thing but with the wrong attitude, and it has not ended up good for me. Anybody else with me on that? You can serve, but serve with joy. Why? Because we are reflecting what God has already done with us. He served us with joy. He gave us more than we could ever deserve. And so we in turn serve other people with joy. God wants our purpose to be serving him with joy in response to all he has done for us. And in times we kind of make service about ourselves. What am I getting out of this? What do I want service to look like? I mean, even think about Man, I'm doing the dishes. Now, what do I get in return for this? It's kind of like a game where you're trying to get more and more and more. And the reality is God wants us to just serve. Just serve with joy because of what he's done in our life. And so I challenge you today. We don't have to serve. We get to serve. And that's our purpose in Jesus. If you serve and it's all for you, the reality is the reward you get for that is, is what you get. The praise of other people, other people looking at you like you're good. But when you serve God, let's read verse four together. This is what it says. When the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the unfading crown of glory. Whenever we serve God with joy, not worrying about what's in it for me, not worrying about what my desires are, we're rewarded by God. And God has a lot more power to reward us than anyone else. And that doesn't mean it's a physical reward, but spiritually he rewards us when we serve other people with joy. Now, kids in the room, how do you serve your family with joy? Parents in the room, how do you serve your kids with joy? Married couples, how, how do you serve each other with joy? People, everyone in general, how do you serve other people, not out of duty, but in response to all that God has done in your life? So first, when God's your hero, when he's the one in control, we serve other people with joy in our life. But not only that, verse five shows us that when God is the hero in our identity, we gain the freedom in our lives to let him be the one to say who's important. And so let's read verse five and six together. You younger men likewise be subject to your elders and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another 
For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I'm just going to kind of stop right there and, and talk about that a little bit. Peter says, you should, just like you put on clothes in the morning, you should clothe yourself with humility. That should be part of your daily routine. Do you wake up, you get a shower, you brush your teeth, you put your clothes on. Oh, and also you clothe yourself with humility. Humility is thinking about others before you think about yourself. It's the realization that life is not all about me, that I can serve other people regardless of if I get anything in return. And so we put on, just like we put on clothes, we put on humility every single day. Now, what would that look like in, in the life of your family if every day before you even walked out of your room, you had clothed yourself with humility and said, you know what, today, it doesn't matter what anybody else does, I'm gonna treat other people with respect and humility. Things would change, right? I mean, think about your work situation. If you walked into work thinking, it's not about what I want, it's about serving other people with joy and humility. How life begins to be different. Our priorities change. The things that we thought were important maybe aren't as important anymore. And then verse six says this, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. In America, one thing that we really pride ourselves on is working hard, achieving individually. I'm gonna work hard to provide for my family. I'm gonna work hard to do really awesome things and then everybody's gonna see that I did awesome things and it's gonna be really nice. Well, the Bible talks about strength, really not as much as independence, but as dependence. Strength isn't just what I can do alone, but strength is what we can do together. And that's why I love Calvary. What we can do to spread the gospel all across the world is so much bigger than me or you. It's about us. But, but even individually in your life, it's about depending on God, not your own strength. And, and so many of us, when we face challenges or we try to plan for our life, we think about what we individually can accomplish. But if that's all we worry about, we're just going to get as far as our strength can take us. And I'm just going to tell you, it's not as far as God can take you. <laughs> God can take you so much farther than you can take yourself. And there are several Bible stories that show this. David, we talked about him already. David is one of the least important people in his family. And he is sitting at home shepherding sheep while his, his brothers are at war. So he's not strong enough to go and fight with other people. Instead, he's at home, he's the shepherd, he's taking care of animals. He's not important. But you know what God does? God says, David, you do what I say and I'm going to lift you up. David wasn't important, but he followed God. His identity was in who God said he would be and what did God do in his life? He slayed the giant, who really slayed the giant? God did, right? He lifts up David. David becomes the king of Israel. Does David become the king of Israel without God's help? No, he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't become the king of Israel, but God lifted him up because he was willing to be humble, to think about others before he thought about himself and to depend on God's strength, not his own. I think about Gideon. The story of Gideon finds him hiding in this shack trying to farm indoors, it's really weird, because he's scared that somebody's gonna come and take his crops. And he's the least important person in the entire land and the least important person in his family. And you know what God says to him? God sends an angel and the angel says, mighty warrior. 
Now Gideon is hiding. He's literally hiding at this moment, worried that somebody's come and take his stuff. And the angel comes and says, mighty warrior. And Gideon looks around a little bit and says, who, me? <laughs> you must be thinking about somebody else. Let me, let me point you in the right direction. I'm going to send you to a real mighty warrior, not me. But what God does in our lives when we're willing to be humble is he can see what we can become if we trust him. Gideon trusted him and God turned him into what he called him at first. He wasn't a mighty warrior, but God already knew that if Gideon would just stop chasing his own ambitions and follow after God, that God would make him what he knew he could be. And Gideon couldn't even see it. He couldn't even see what he could become. But when he trusted God and he humbled himself, God did make him into that mighty warrior. See, God can have a plan for you and you can't even see it right now. You don't even know what it looks like. But all God tells us to do is not worry about that. <laughs> don't worry about God's going to do. Humble yourself and it gives God an opportunity to lift you up and bring you to where he wants you to be in, in your family, at your job, wherever you are. He has the power to do that. But we have to be willing in our identity to say, God, my identity is in you. It's not in what I want for myself but it's in what you want for me. And when we do that, he can lift us up higher than we ever thought possible. A warning, if you wanna exalt yourself on this earth, you can do it, but you'll get as far as your strength can take you. Humble yourself and God can take you farther than you ever thought you could go. So we see that when God's the hero in our purpose, it, it gives us the ability to serve other people with joy. We see that when God is the hero in our identity, we get to trust him and see him do amazing things in our life instead of us just trying to make it happen. And then third, we see that when God is the hero in our pain, this is difficult, when God is the hero in our pain, we gain the freedom to cast our cares on him. So verse seven, this is a beautiful verse. This would be a great one to memorize. Verse seven says this, casting all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I'm not gonna pretend like everybody here is doing just perfect. <laughs> we so many times in our life, we construct these masks that we put on whenever we get around other people that kind of keep them from seeing the real us. Social media shows that more than anything, the mask of my family's doing great. My kids are perfect. They never done anything wrong in their whole life. Our finances are exactly where I want them to be. It's so easy in our culture to mask who we really are and what's actually going on in our life. But you know something? God sees through the mask. The mask doesn't fool him. He created you. He knew you before you were born, where you would be in this moment. And sometimes because we put that mask on with others, we, we kind of put that mask on with God and we... We want to act like, God, everything's okay. We're good here. Don't worry. I'm holding it down right here. You're holding it down. We're, we're all good. But the reality is we need to go before God with our cares. Why? Because he cares for us. We need to name anxiety and fear and the problems of our life and go before him because he truly is the only one who cares for us fully. There's a story in scripture about a lady named Hannah. Hannah wanted to have a child desperately. 
for years. She's, she's praying and asking God, God, would you please give me a child? And the child never comes. She prays to God. She asks over and over and over again. And she's at this moment of desperation. And so she goes to the house of God. She goes to the temple. And you know what she does there? She's not there to read. She's not there to praise. She's not there to talk to other people. You know what she does? She goes to the temple to weep. And she just gets before God and lets it all out. Says, God, here I am. I am struggling right now. I don't understand. I want to have a child so bad. And just lays everything before him. Are you comfortable doing that with God? Are, are you comfortable going before him with your, your marriage problems, your finances, the things that you don't want to tell everybody else? Are you, are you comfortable going before God and just being like, God, this is really hard right now. I think some of us might say no. We're so used to putting on the mask with others that, that we don't want to be real with God. We can cast all our cares, our anxieties, the things that we're going through on God because he alone is the one who can handle them. You see, we try to deal with these problems on our own and deal with our own internal processing those problems on our own. But the reality is we can't do it alone. I, I love what our pastor said last week. You are not alone. Man, those words are important. You're not alone because, one, we have each other. And I hope as a church body that, that you have people in, in this church who you can go to when stuff is, is difficult, that you can talk to when your, your heart's breaking, when things are not going well, but also that you have a heavenly father that loves you so much that he wants you to come before him and be real with him. And that's good news. God actually wants you to cast your cares on him because he actually cares about you. And you may say, you know what? God doesn't know about how I feel. God doesn't know what's going on in my life. But I, I would argue that he does because of a few things. One, he knows how we feel anyway. God's all knowing. So he understands the depths of our soul. We can go to him because he knows it anyway. Second, that he created us to display emotions. Emotions are not bad things. And, and when God created us, he knew that we would feel emotions and we can go before him and just be emotional, honestly. And I think some of us need to do that sometimes. And third, this is really good. We can be real with God because he knows what we're going through firsthand. Because he sent Jesus and Jesus lived this life. Jesus dealt with so much pain, so much heartache, so much difficulty in his life. And still he prevailed. So when you think to yourself, man, God doesn't really know how I feel. God doesn't really understand. No, he knows how you feel firsthand through Jesus. He knows the pain. He knows the rejection. He knows the problems that you, you feel like are insurmountable. And he actually wants to hear you come to him for them. We have the tendency, and we talked about this already a little bit, to try to get things done on our own individual achievement. But the reality is God can do so much more in our life than we can do. If we are so busy trying to save ourselves, fix our own problems, go through things in our own strength, it's not even giving God the opportunity, what's our, what's our message, when God is the hero? It's not even allowing an opportunity for the hero to come and save you because you're trying to save yourself. I think some people today just need to give before God and say, God, this is what's going on in my life. I'm gonna give it to you. I trust you with it. 
I know I can't do anything on my own strength. And see how he begins to transform your life. Is God your hero when you go through difficult circumstances? We've seen today that, that God is the hero in our purpose, our identity, and our pain. And, and when he is that, we see some really cool things. Our big idea today, this is our main idea, is this. When God is the hero in our purpose, our identity, and our pain, we gain true freedom. Freedom not as an independence, but freedom through dependence on him. We gain the freedom in our purpose to say, you know what, God, I'm going to serve with joy because I get to serve you. I don't have to serve you. We gain the freedom to let God handle our position in life. We humble ourselves and we say, God, you know what? I give you my life. I'm going to let you do what you will with it. And I know you can take me farther than I ever thought possible. And we gain the freedom to let God save us. I mean, he saved us through Jesus, but on a day-to-day basis, when we go through difficult circumstances, we gain the freedom to say, God, I'm going through something tough and I'm going to trust you to help me. I'm not going to do it in my own strength. We play this game of, as kids called tug of war. And tug of war is a couple people or one person on either side of a cord or a rope and you're trying to pull the other one to the middle, pull the other one to the middle and the strength goes against strength and The thought is whoever's stronger is going to eventually win out. And I think sometimes in our Christian faith, when it comes to the control of our lives, we play tug of war with God. We say, God, I I know I've believed in you, but I I think I'm going to take this one. I think I'm going to do this one in my own strength. God, I don't want to bother you with this one. I'm going to take this one. And before we know, we're trying to play tug of war with God. Now, how silly is that? Who's going to win out of that? (laughs) <laughs> Who's going to win? It's, it's God. But we, when we in our lives don't just trust him and let him have control, we make it a lot harder on ourselves than it needs to be. And so my challenge to you today, this is our step of response. Give God total control of your life. And when I say total, I mean total. God, I give you my family. God, I give you my marriage. God, I I give you my job. I give you my hopes. I give you my dreams. I give you my past. I give you everything, God. It's yours. You're the hero of my story. You know, each of us one day are going to have our story told. And my question to you is, who's the hero of your story? Is Is it God? Or are you so busy trying to save yourself? Do things in your own power that you're not letting him do what he wants to do in your life. My prayer for you is that today, you will be able to say, God, I give you everything. Even the things that I don't wanna tell anybody else about, God, I give you everything. Jesus said this, if anyone wants to follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow after me. Life's not about me anymore. I'm a new creation in Christ. I have a God who cares about me and I'm part of his family. And he gets to determine what happens in my life, not me. He gets to determine what happens in my marriage, not me. He gets to determine it all. And I think when we have that perspective, 
we can see God do things in our life that we never could have dreamed possible. So I challenge you this week, give God control. Let's pray together. I want to pray that over you, that God would be the hero of your story, that he would be everything to you. God, I thank you so much for your goodness and for your mercy. I thank you today that God, you want us to cast our cares on you because you care for us, you truly do. And God, I thank you that we don't have to traverse this life alone. We don't have to do everything in our own power because you have made a way for us to know you. And I pray for each person in this room and in our online family, God, that whatever they're going through right now, they would be willing to turn to you and say, God, I give you control. God, you can have it all. I'll do anything. God, we love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. We're so thankful that, that you're here. We're so thankful to our online family that you're with us, that we, wherever we are in New Orleans right now, that we can praise God together. I just want to take a moment and thank you so much for, for being faithful in your giving. Man, we can't do what we do without us. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about us. And the gospel is going for this going to New Orleans, this going to the world because of what we are doing together. And so I want to say thank you for that. If you want to give today, there's a, a box in the back or, or you can do that online if you are in our online family.